Hello, you're listening to the OK Cool podcast with me, Ronnie Chang. This is this is the episode for 28 February 2016. You're listening to the OK Cool podcast, the podcast that nobody is listening to. So why are you? Why are you listening? Thank you for listening. I'm back in New York right now. I went to Connecticut on the weekend to open for my comedy hero, Mr. Bill Burr. He asked me to open for him up at Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. So I got to visit my 10th state. Uh, I'm doing this thing where I'm trying to visit all 50 states in America. And so Connecticut was my fifth, uh, sorry, 10th state. Although technically I was on a a Native American reservation, but still in the state of Connecticut, right? That still counts as Connecticut. Well, I had to pass through Connecticut, but um, I'm getting some questions about my 51st States project. People ask if I have to like stay the night, um, what's... Like, what counts? Does, does passing through the state count? I think I'm going to do it as stay the night. But if I get desperate, I'll, I'll put it as uh, passing through. If my feet have touched the ground, then it counts as visiting that state. It's, I mean, it's artificial anyway, because the state is so big. You're going to visit one county in the state and say that you visited the whole state is kind of silly. California is huge. So if you've been to L.A. to say that you visited California, it's technically correct, but there's a lot more to it. So, I mean, if I wanted to play it as if I've set foot in a state, it counts as visiting a state. Then technically, when I went to Omaha, I think last week or two weeks ago, for some weird reason, when you go from Omaha Airport to Omaha City, the town, well, city center, for some reason, you pass through another state. What was that state I was passing through? Oh, man. Iowa. That's right. You pass through Iowa. So the Omaha airport on the way to the city, you will pass through Iowa for no reason. So technically, I visited Iowa. But uh, I'll see if I get desperate with that. I'll, I'll claim it. If, uh, if, I hit, if, I hit 59, if I hit 49 states and Iowa's missing, I'm going to claim it. But it's an honor system, okay? I'm just competing against myself here. There's no real, um, <laughs> there's no real rules. I'm making up, making it up as I go along. So I don't, I don't understand uh, Native American reservations other, other than what I've seen on television. So apparently they can set up casinos there because they, they don't have to follow strict federal law. Like, do they have to listen to President Obama? How does that work? Is it are they their own are they their own country? I should Wikipedia this. Uh, anyway, the shows went okay. Um, uh, Bill Bilber killed it. He was hilarious as usual. He's a master of his craft at the top of his game, and um, I'm very uh, very honored to call him a friend and a mentor. Um, He's a very cool guy, very down to earth. So we hung out a little bit, which was fun. Uh, let me see, what else is there? Uh, what else happened? What happened in Connecticut? Well, we we drove up from New York, and that took two and a half hours. So nothing happened there. I mean, we were just in a car together. And when we got there, we kind of just chilled out. 
And then we did the gig that night. And then I left the next morning. He did another gig with Paul Verzi. As in, he had Paul uh, Verzi open for him the next night. But I opened for him on Saturday. And... Oh, I got to meet um, I got to meet UFC fighter John Howard, John Doomsday Howard. That was pretty cool. He seemed like a very nice guy. You know, he wasn't like a didn't act like a dick or anything, <laughs> like an aggressive dick. Considering that he had he has the ability to basically kill me if he wanted to. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting talking to an actual UFC fighter. He told me that. Uh, oh, sorry. By the way, that's. That sound, that hissing you're hearing isn't the microphone, it's the freaking radiator. I have a steam radiator and it was quiet the whole night and now it's deciding to go crazy. Yep, it's letting off steam. Should I pause this and wait for it to end? I don't know, is that super noisy? I don't know, is that super irritating to you guys? Should I check playback? I think it'll be okay. Um, what was I talking about? Yeah, John Howard. So he said like, his mentality when he goes into a UFC fight is he basically signs his life away. <laughs> and he goes into, like, like fight. And he tells me he's not even thinking about winning. He's thinking about having a fight. Like, just going, fuck it. I'm going into this to have a fight. That's cool. Um, he spoke a little bit about wrestling with Randy Couture. He said, Randy Couture... When, as soon as he touches you, you can feel he's, it's different, which I can believe because um, I used to do Wing Chun and when you do martial arts, as soon as you touch someone's hands, you can tell if they know what they're doing. And Randy Couture is like a, what Olympic alternate athlete, Roman Greco, or did he go to the Olympics? Either way, he's at an Olympic level for uh, wrestling. So And he's been doing it a long time. So you can believe that he... He knows how to kind of, you know, wrestle people. He knows how to control his body and control someone else's body. So, so it's cool. I'll be rooting for John Howard at his next fight, um, which is yet to be determined. But uh, he's, a, he's a Boston guy. So it's, it's amazing the people who come out to Bill Burr shows. It's pretty funny. Last time I opened for Bill Burr at the Largo in L.A., it turns out... Um, Caroline Kennedy was there, the daughter of John F. Kennedy, who I'm a fan of. Um, also ex-wife to Arnold Schwarzenegger, not to mention ex-wife of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and her two kids were there. So Schwarzenegger's children were there. Two of his, two of um, his kids, his two sons. So I performed in front of Caroline Kennedy and Arnold Schwarzenegger's kids. That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, and, and they had to like shut down the, the theater. It's a small theater. It's maybe like 100 seats tops. Lago, is it 100 seats? Yeah, it's small. It's not a huge theater. And so when, when Caroline Kennedy came, the Secret Service had to like... So she had to come in after the show started. She couldn't even like come in on time because it would create too much of a fuss. And uh, they had to like shut down the place and then she would come in, sit down in the back and then she'd come around the back to meet Bill after the show in the green room. Pretty crazy. I mean, the, the Lago is a, it's a cool theater, but it's, he was doing, like that wasn't even a proper show show. It was like a test show. 
you know, Bill told me he uses that to kind of test material. So it's interesting. Uh, that was cool. Oh, yeah. Speaking of UFC fighters, so Michael Bisping just beat Anderson Silva in London. Uh, I watched the fight, and it was pretty crazy. Anderson Silva, Silva um, one of the greatest strikers of all time. One of the greatest fighters of all time, mixed martial arts or any fight, fight, well, any type of martial art, really. But um, man, just clowning around, dancing around his opponent. Still, you know, I know, I, I get that Anderson Silva is a counter puncher, so he waits for the other guy to like react before he counters the attack. But it was way too much clowning around. It looked like he, if it, it felt like. Anderson has to go for like the highlight, highlight real knockout. He can't just settle for like outpointing or just doing his best. Like something in his head just makes him. Once he gets in the ring, he becomes this weird like clowning around. Um, you know, not not just going for it because um, he's clearly a superior striker to most people. Most people in the UFC. So if he wanted to like outstrike people, he could go for it. But he's always kind of playing around, you know, dodging, slipping punches or trying to slip punches. Anyway, he fought Michael Bisping, who he, uh, I mean, he's on another level. Silva's striking is on another level to Bisping, to be honest. So Bisping shouldn't have had that done that well against him in the stand-up game. That being said, uh, so, so it got weird in the third round because... Michael Bisbing's like his mouth guard dropped out and and he was trying to ask for a pause in the action to put his mouth guard back in. And right in that moment, like Silva did this highlight reel flying knee to the his to the face and it knocked him out. And then the the bell rang. But the referee thought that the bell rang before the knockout. So he didn't call it he didn't call the end of the fight. So they, Anderson Silva was celebrating what he thought was a knockout victory. And then they had to call him back for, the, for round four. So not only... So a couple things there. One, Bisbing should have been protecting himself at all times. He shouldn't be you know, worried about his mouth guard in that situation or looking to the referee to protect him. He should be protecting himself at all times. So that's clear. And two, uh, it should have been a knockout victory because, for, for Anderson Silva because the knockout happened before the bell rang. So, there you go. Uh, oh, and then what happened in the end was they went, they went all five rounds and Bisbing won on points. So, I think Bisbing did win on points, but Silva definitely knocked him out before the end of the round, before the bell rang. So, it should have been a Silva victory. Uh, yeah. Oh, I got a funny Michael Bisbing story. Yeah. So, I was in... Sydney, just after UFC Sydney, I can't, I can't remember which one. I feel like this was almost two years ago. And I was in a taxi in, the, in Sydney CBD on George Street, which is like one of the main streets in Sydney City. I'm in the taxi, was stopped at a red light. This guy opens the front door of the taxi the, the front passenger side door of the taxi and just starts asking, hey, where's the nearest Nando's? Which is a weird thing to do. And the taxi driver was like, I don't know. And the guy just closed the door. He slammed the door. Well, he didn't slam it. He got closed it hard, right? And he went off. And I was like, wait a second. 
I think that was Michael Bisping. Yeah, UFC's Michael Bisping. And I asked the, ta- the taxi driver, was like, what does he think this is? Like, what, you, what does he think I am? Like a, 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 a tour guide asking for directions to the nearest Nando's? And I was like, do you know who that guy was? That guy was like, a, that guy's like an MMA fighter, UFC fighter. And the taxi driver had no idea who I was talking about. But I just happened to be stopping like just another um, like 50 meters ahead. So uh, um, of where Michael Bisping opened my taxi door for no, uh, without permission. And Bisping was walking in, in that direction anyway, meaning we caught up to him and I, I, I got off the taxi. I was going to get out anyway, but I got out and I went to Michael Bisping. I was like, oh, hey, I think there's a Nando's over there. And by the way, are you Michael Bisping? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, big fan. And he was like, thank you. And he mo- went on his way. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he was drunk. I think he was celebrating a victory at UFC, but man, he looked beat up. Um, his face was like all like cut up and bruised and basically he looked like he had been in a fight, which he had. And I think he, I think he won. I'm pretty sure he won that fight. He seemed to be in a good mood and I'm pretty sure Nando's isn't part of the strict, uh, training camp diet. (laughs) So he was probably kind of letting loose a little bit. Yeah, UFC fighting is weird because, because I mean, violence is bad, but some people just are tuned to be that kind of people, right? Like, they're going to fight anyway. You might as well try to make at least some something constructive. Like, fighters aren't normal people. Fighters are crazy. To, to step in the ring like that, you got to be a little crazy. You don't, it's not just about being an athlete. You have to be mentally crazy to want to do that kind of job, right? To step in the ring and fight with people. So it makes you think like if they weren't in the ring, they'd probably be out there, you know, fighting on the street or, or doing something else. Antisocial. So you might as well put them in the ring. So that's why I kind of condone it, right? But at the same time, like to call it a sport is kind of, it's a little weird because it's not like, would you want your kids to be, you know, playing UFC on the weekend where the goal is to give, knock, knock someone unconscious by trauma or at least injure them where they can't continue. It's a weird one, right? It's also funny how like no matter how tough a fighter you are, I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how much you train and how angry you are before the match. If someone gets hit in the dick immediately, it's like the f- okay, stop, 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 stop. Oh, that wasn't cool. I'm so and one person will apologize, and it'll, everyone will understand. Like, yeah, that wasn't cool. Immediately, <laughs> you could be the toughest guy on the planet, toughest fighter on the planet, Conor McGregor, um, Anderson Silva. But if you get hit in the balls, you're like, no, that's I'm not done. No, this is not cool. I did not sign up for this. It's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And even your opponent, it hurts so much that even your opponent can feel it. That's how much it hurts. <laughs> yeah, what, what, is, what podcast is this? This is like podcast uh, five in a row. It's four in a row. I think it's four in a row. How about that? Four in a row. You you didn't think I'd make it. I didn't think I'd make it. Keeping the consistency up. 
25 minutes. 25 minute podcast is okay, right? I feel like one hour is so indulgent. Like who has time to listen to one hour of another human being talking? I feel like 25 minutes, like that's about right. Let's see what else happened. Oh yeah, I got on the, oh, I took a train back from Connecticut. I took the train from New London, Connecticut, back to New York. Took two and a half hours. It's actually pretty good. Spacious. Ooh, got back, had to go get some souvenir for Bill's wife. He asked me to do him a favor. Um, also... Oh, yeah, I, I went to, um, uh, I got on Katie Nolan's podcast. That was pretty fun. So Katie Nolan's like this Boston sports girl who's based in New York now. She has her own TV show on Fox Sports 1, which has a podcast as well. We got on her podcast, and that was, it was cool talking to her about, um, she asked me a lot about The Daily Show, which is cool, but honestly, I just really want to talk to her about sports. So we had a little bit of an NBA discussion at the end there. Um, I bought the bullet and I just bought NBA League Pass. I spent 100 bucks, NBA League Pass. It's worth it. <laughs> I don't know why I resisted for so long. 100 bucks to watch like all the games. Not all the games, but like most games on demand and live is pretty good over the internet. I don't have a TV in my house. So I don't really want to get cable. I'd rather just subscribe to like NBA League Pass and all these different services probably end up costing more than cable, to be honest. If you get like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, NBA, NFL, Game Pass, what else is there? UFC Fight Pass, like it adds up to like more than cable television, what costs. So, I don't know, who's fooling who? Yeah, I have yet to watch this we were talking about the Golden State Warriors on her podcast and how I don't see how anyone can hate them. Like, it's good basketball being played. If you like basketball, you can't hate the Golden State Warriors. They're playing amazing basketball and they're playing as a team and no one is being a dick about it and they're pretty humble for considering what they're accomplishing. They might very well be the greatest team ever in the history of the NBA. Um, they're going for the all-time wins record. And uh, I just watched highlights of uh, the Golden State-Oklahoma City game. And it was crazy. It was crazy. Steph Curry was going nuts. I, I have the game queued up right now. I'm going to watch the whole thing just to savor it. I watched the highlights as a spoiler because everyone was talking about it. Even my friend Jonathan in Australia, who he doesn't even follow basketball that much. And he was following it. He was messaging me. I was doing a show at the time, so I couldn't watch it. I was doing Bill Burr's show. But... Uh, I watched the highlights and it was crazy. They were down, first of all, they were down most of the game, I think. And then they finally tied it up to go into overtime. And then in overtime, they were down by like 12 points or something. And Steph Curry went crazy. And then he hit this crazy half court shot. Like there's this super cut of um, Steph Curry highlights. Steph Curry like beyond, beyond the arc highlights. So where he's so... He's so far beyond the arc that he's touching the logo that they put in the center of the court. He's launching it from anywhere, and there are controlled shots. 
and he can shoot off the dribble like he like nothing. His release is so quick, and he's so accurate. He's breaking the game. He is. He's like five feet or more behind the arc. I gotta tell you, I always, I always called it. I called it. I, I've had this thing where I have picked like future great players a couple times now. Like I've picked. I'm not gonna take credit for it. I'm not gonna take credit for the success. But I picked Steve Nash. I picked Steve Nash like before he. Um, he, before he was a two-time MVP. I, I happened to have a Steve Nash basketball card when he was drafted at Phoenix. And um, I read his stats, and he was like a, a record-breaking uh, college and high school free-throw shooter. And uh, I always followed his career because of that. And, man, he blew up big. He was... Yeah, it, he w- he was this very mobile god. Like one of his greatest strengths was his his shooting was great, but his mobility, I think, was what made him an above average point guard. His ability to kind of change direction and and um, control his whole body. And Steph Curry has that. But I read a very interesting article about Steph Curry that he because he had really bad ankles like two seasons ago. His ankles were terrible. He kept he. He kept injuring them, and he was in rehab for his ankles for, like, two whole years. Two years of rehab. Like, imagine that. Rehabbing for two years. And what happened was, um, at the, uh, he injured his ankle. He was rehabbing it for two years. And then they decided to perform surgery on it. And they thought they would have to, like, replace his ankles. But it turned out that all they had to do, they got rid of all the scar tissue, that was in his le- in his ankles. They like sucked it out. They shaved it off. Anthroscopic surgery, I think, right? That's what it's called. Got rid of it, and then they um, they rehabbed again after that. But because of all the rehab he had to do because of his shitty ankles, apparently his core strength right now is out of control. Meaning, he's been doing nothing but rehab, and they concentrated on his core strength. So now he has like superhuman core strength, way more than a normal person. And I think that's possibly why he's, one of the reasons why he's so nimble on the court. So the argument being that him having shitty ankles or injuring his ankles for two years was like the best thing that could have happened to him and the franchise because it made him come back a better player. As weird as that sounds, he wouldn't be the player he is today if he didn't have shitty ankles. Um, and it wasn't just core strength. Like his his movement trainer, um, who they they got, um, I think he went to Minnesota. But they had this movement trainer who he's one of those like new age trainers who who kind of under, supposedly understands the human body more. Um, and he said that Steph was relying on his ankles too much in his movement. So whenever he changed direction or, or whatever he did, run he was running, kind of putting a lot of pressure, uh, putting a lot of pressure on his ankles, and so he changed that. That he modified how Steph Curry moves by you know training him and rehabbing him so that he, he uses his hips more, and that ties into the core strength thing. So meaning, 
Imagine, yeah, I mean, just imagine, I can't even do a core strength exercise for like, you know, a day. And I'm already like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I'm good for the week. But imagine doing core strength exercise every day for two years. You know, that's how, that's probably how he got to the world-class NBA level. So that's the secret. I guess if you want to have, um, you know, pro athlete, NBA level mobility, agility, and I guess speed, quickness, um, I don't spend two years rehabbing your core strength. Interesting though. I mean, I wonder if you could train your kid to do that. Right? Just make them live live your dreams. <laughs> Making them train their core strength for like two years so that they become like superior athletes. Hmm. They probably end up resenting you and then they probably fall out of the sport anyway. Right? Because kids are stupid. If you tell them to do something, if, if you want them to do something, they'll just hate it. They have to kind of like fall into it themselves. I don't know. You guys ever think about that? Like what you would train your kids if you had kids or or if you could start over with your kids, what you would do with them? I, I thought I, I would like to, if I had kids, I'd like to start them on judo. I think judo would be a cool thing to learn. Um, one, because... I think it's cool. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of discipline involved in judo, which is good. It's not just some crazy, you know, fight to kill people like MMA training. Um, there's a little bit of discipline in it. There's a little bit of respect. Yeah, you have to show there's some ceremony in it. Um, you get to wear that cool gi. Um, also, being able to take someone's balance, to me, seems pretty useful. And judo, they, they kind of, you know, they have striking, they've got, uh, they've got submission on the ground, and they, they also have cool kind of takedowns. Also, if you're really good at judo, it's a high ceiling. Like, you can go all the way to the Olympics with judo. Whereas stuff like Aikido, you know, it's more of like a, you know, you, you, can, be, you, can, be, you can be a hobby, but I don't know how you go professional Aikido unless you're a teacher or something. Also, Aikido is a little bit... I respect all martial arts, but I always feel like Aikido, people are like fall, rolling around too much because they all know how to fall. That's why it looks exaggerated. So I, I, I want to see some Aikido down on people who don't know how to fall just to see how brutal, brutal it would be, right? Because the whole Aikido thing is like you're supposed to try to it's like, first of all, it's like non-violent. So you're not supposed to like strike anyone. You're supposed to use their energy back on them. So it's, it's supposed to be completely like counter, right? There's no like of offensive moves. Um, and it's highly spiritual. It ties into all of that stuff. My, my cinematographer on my, on my pilot from New Zealand, he's like some kind of Aikido master. So yeah, hopefully I, if, we, if we go to series, hopefully I can... Um, my pilot in Australia, by the way. Um, I don't know when it's coming out. I think it, they told me like April, but who knows? Haven't heard anything about it. April's pretty soon. April's like in just over a month. So you think they let us know by now when it's coming out? Anyway, if if we go a series and we get that cinematographer back, love to kind of pick his brains about keto. Everything was moving at such such breakneck speed for the pilot that I didn't have a chance to even talk to him about it. But yeah, but I love martial arts, so. 
Oh, what, what martial art would you start your kids on? Yeah, send me an email. Tell me what martial art you would want your kids to do. Uh, you can email me at uh, ronnie at ronniechang.com. That's spelled R-O-N-N-Y at R-O-N-N-Y-C-H-I-E-N-G.com. Or you can go to my website, Ronnie Chang, and click on the contact page and just send me an email from there. Yeah, let me know what your kids, what martial art you want, or what sport you would want your kids to do, like you would train them in and give them too much pressure so that they crack and resent you and damage you and forever have a broken relationship with you about. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, oh yeah, if you have any uh, questions, medical questions for me to ask my medical doctor's sister that you'd like to know, uh, send me a message there too and I'll, I'll ask her. I, I don't, it's too hard to get her on the podcast because um, she doesn't know how to use technology really well <laughs> and we can't coordinate the times and all that and all that. I'm in, I'm in New York and she's in Australia. But I'll ask her, I'll get her to explain it to me and then I'll try to explain it to you guys. <laughs> All right, it's, it's not perfect, but whatever. So if you've got any medical myths you want to ask my doctor, sister, please um, send that in too. So go to my website on the contact page and send me a message. Either way, uh, hey, thanks for listening, you guys. Peace out till next week.